0: Welcome to Women in Leadership Talk, where you'll hear from successful women who are empowering other women with their stories of adversity, resiliency, and success. And here is your host, Vicki Bradley, founder and CEO of Women in Leadership Empowered. Hello and welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today at the Women in Leadership Talk podcast. I am very excited to get into this conversation today with Ms. Carrie Severson. So Carrie, thanks so much for joining us all the way from Arizona.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Well, we're thrilled to have you, and I'm sure your weather is a lot better than what we're experiencing north of the border.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Don't rub it in.
0: Don't rub it in. Don't tell me how hot it is.
1: <laughs> well, actually, um, lately we've been having this cold front, which I personally love because I'm from the Midwest, and so I miss the seasons. Ah. Uh, and so it's nice to see like blankets and flowers because of the frost and um you know, there's snow, and this morning my husband and I were watching the local news, and they said that snow flurries were possible in Phoenix today because it's um it was like 39 degrees when we got up, so it's unusually cold, and I love it. <laughs>
0: wow, I am so shocked! And here I thought I was going to be like, okay, she's got like 70 at
1: least. <laughs> oh, no, it's so great! I love it. Not for it, like you know, not for several months, but
0: yeah, yes. Yes. A couple days is okay. Right. right. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us today. We're excited to have mm-hmm. you. Thanks for having me. I want to thank our audience as well. Like it's really great to have you here with us today, listening to the conversation that we're about to have with Carrie. And before we jump into that, let me just give you a little bit of background about Carrie and why we wanted to have this conversation So Carrie is the author of Unapologetically Enough. Well, I know that's going to ring a bell with a lot of people because we all go through, you know, that not enough syndrome. And she's also the chief executive officer of a book publishing business. She started the Unapologetic Voice House after dozens of literary agents compared her work to well-known authors and then passed on her because she didn't have a big enough platform. Love this. (laughs) Carrie used that pivot in life to help leaders just like her, unapologetic in their stories without massive followings. And in 2022, she dropped her book, Unapologetically Enough. And now she's on a mission to elevate leaders around the world as they start to see themselves as enough. Carrie explores what saying yes to yourself looks like after burnout through the lens of enoughness. She has taught hundreds of workshops and audiences, such as incarcerated women, government employees, human resource resource employees, mid-school, high school, college students, and corporate leaders around the United States, and can be reached at unapologeticallyenough.com. Carrie, this is such a huge topic. And, And first of all, let me just say thank you for having the courage to a number one, step out and tell your story and put it in writing. Cause that's, that's a huge endeavor just in itself. And, and that's like facing enough right in the face. Right. <laughs> and then when you weren't getting that attention from publishers saying, well, that's okay, I'll go do it myself. And so that again, takes a lot of courage, tenacity and resilience. So thank you. Thank you for being here with us today and uh, sharing your beautiful self. So great to have you.
1: Thank you so much. Yep. I love, uh, hearing that back. The, um, just right there in itself, listening to somebody read your bio is, um, a way for us to accept our enoughness. And it's, um, it used to be super uncomfortable. And now it's actually, you know, I get excited because I'm like, I did do that. I did do that. Yes, I I've done that. So yeah, it's great. I encourage, you know, listeners to find a way to write a bio. That would be a great practice to write a bio, have someone read it back to you.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. It's yeah. so powerful. And yeah. wow, you just so when you just said that. So I'll just take just a second before we jump too far in, or maybe we just carry on as yeah, we are. Yeah. Um, like one of the things that I do with clients is I, like any new client I start with, I take them through this energy leadership assessment. And one of the first things that we go through is their big who statement. Mm. And what you just said about like writing out your biography, like writing your bio, like that's mm-hmm. such an important thing. And when I when I share with somebody their big who statement and what they've told me about themselves, they're like, "That's me," and it's like, "Yeah, this is what you told me and how you responded to this assessment." And to your point, that's such a powerful way of starting to see how the world sees you, so that you can start seeing that way.
1: I know it's actually incredibly hard for people to. To do that, I mean, I used to, I used to run workshops. Um, I always run workshops, and I run workshops, uh, you know, at, with writing a ton because I've been in the storytelling space for 26 years, and I am really good at nonfiction. And I used to write, or I used to teach bio workshops, and uh, you know, it was a list of like 10 questions, um, 10 sentences. What do you really want to say about yourself? And it's so hard for people to do because women specifically have a really hard time accepting, um, ourselves as enough, you know, our accomplishments, being able to look at whatever we are, you know, how we're showing up in life, whatever we're doing in life and celebrating it. Like it's, it's a hard thing for us to do.
0: Yeah, it is. And, and we just take it for granted so often. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's, let's jump in and and maybe share with our audience, just give some context to your background and what actually has led you to write this amazing book about being unapologetically enough. So Mm -hmm. how did you get
1: there? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I got into the storytelling space when I was 19 because I was bullied as a kid and I had low self esteem as a result, and I was always bullied by girls. And so um, I grew up wanting to be a part of the mechanism, the industry, the spotlight of where it landed so that girls and women had different role models to look up to because I'm a product mm-hmm. of the 80s. And um, I didn't look like Cindy Lauper, I didn't look like Cindy Crawford. And because I didn't fit in either of those categories, and I've been 5'9 with curly hair with hips since I was 10 years old, um, I was bullied because of how I looked. And so I figured, you know what, if I could just get into some sort of industry that changed where the spotlight landed so that other people that didn't look like supermodels or super rock stars, we had someone we could look up to. So I decided to get into the storytelling space. I got a degree in journalism. And my mission since I was 19 has always been to create conversations, connectedness through stories for women, girls specifically. So um, that journey has led me to a variety of places. And one of the places was uh, when I was in my early 30s. I started a nonprofit for girls. It was a bullying solutions organization. You know, they, that saying of like, you teach what you need or to learn, or you, you do what you need to heal or whatever. Uh, I did that. You're true. <laughs> and uh, that was 2011. And the girl on girl bullying um, bubble had just sort of really popped. Michelle Obama had just launched Stop And literally like two months after I started this organization and my little one person shop just blew up literally overnight. Um, The next day I was like at the table with the First Lady of Phoenix. I was leading seminars and workshops with everyone from incarcerated women to government employees to girls around the country. And I burned out. It was such a massive demand. It got to the point where I would go to a Zumba class and I would leave my phone at home because it was the only time I could truly disconnect. And I would come home and there'd be like news bands outside my door waiting to get a soundbite for me because of something that happened on Capitol Hill. And I'm like, oh, wow. And, and if, it, if it had remotely anything to do with girls, I was the media darling. Um, this one time I remember it was about Photoshop and how, France and Italy had just made photoshopping magazines illegal. And the conversation was like, should we do this in the U S? And because my story had to do with being bullied because of the way I looked, I've been very, I was always very vocal about that. Yeah. So eight 45 in the morning, I'm like sweating, looking like a mess and it was, it was anyway. So um, yeah, I accepted, I burned out hard and I, was 35. And um, I put myself first. And I was like, how do I fix this? Because I'm a big believer that, you know, we (laughs) manifest on the outside, everything that's in the inside. And clearly, there was something not working on the inside. So here I was burnt out. How do I heal that? How do I fix that? So I went on a healing journey, and went back to my words of storytelling. Um, And I happened to Write this. Um, I happen to write an essay for the Huffington Post called I'm a Recovering Burnout. I feel, you know, one of my God given talents is my ability to be vulnerable through word. And I've always sort of looked at the opportunity that, like, whatever I've gone through, whatever I've just crossed, somebody else is experiencing it and might be able to use mm-hmm. my lessons. And so I've always written, you know, personal essays and um, that, yeah, the essay on my recovering burnout is not any good It's from 2015, but it had global response. And when that happened, I was like, okay, obviously, I mean, I I took a solid week to answer emails that were coming in from it. Obviously, people need to talk about this. And that was... That was a while ago. Um, So I've been working on this book unapologetically enough. It is my story of burnout. It is my story of burnout recovery. It's a story of accepting myself as enough. Uh, I've been working on it for a while. Well, that is, um, first of all, thank you for sharing that. And
0: clearly you have some amazing gifts to be able to put it in writing and share with people so that it really touches at the core right thank you um, like that's a that's a real special gift <laughs> so <laughs> thank you for for sharing that with us and so what do you think or what do you believe takes us to the space of thinking everyone else is they're doing better they're more successful they're more beautiful they're more whatever and we, or we might potentially go into this comparison, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not doing it like uh, Cindy Crawford, um, creating this cycle of not feeling worthy and enough. Like, how do we, how do we even identify it? Cause I think sometimes it takes that crash, like you've experienced now a couple of times, mm-hmm. right? Before we go, wait a minute, what's not working here.
1: <laughs> so what are, um, what are your thoughts? Uh, I have several. So I think um, we share the best sides of ourselves or the most exciting pieces of ourselves, not the dirty laundry, right? Or the hard parts or the really vulnerable pieces. Um, The sticky pieces, or the places that we need the most healing, we don't tend to see those. And so when we look at our peers, and and I, you know, it just happened to me a couple of days ago. I saw a, a post: of, "Happy birthday! Just turned 37." And and she listed out all these accomplishments. And I was like, "Didn't do this, haven't had this. I'm almost 10 years older than her, and I haven't, you know." And so immediately, my first response was, "Gratefully, at this point in my life, I can look at it and I can say I'm so happy for her." And then the second piece is like, mm. <laughs> again, because I've done so much inner work what do I have to still yet heal that I'm envious of her life because my life is pretty good too. So there's this, um, the uh, imposter syndrome, the comparison piece that we do uh, it's very easy to get to slide into this regardless of how much healing work you do internally um, because nobody wants to sit in the sticky healing Ickiness of our own lives. And yet, in order to get to the other side, we got to go through the sticky, icky stuff. <laughs> it's
0: true. It's true. Unfortunately.
1: Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And even when we
0: delay that or we ignore that, it will keep coming up until we do no. go to the sticky. <laughs> right. Yep.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's not like I woke up one day and I was like, oh, I totally accept myself as enough. This is easy. It took, you know, it took me eight years to write this book. And um, I've burnt out now four times. And my, it was my editor who actually got to the point where she's like, Carrie, this is the title. You just have to accept it. And uh, even that took me into a healing process where I was like, holy crap. Putting something that profound into the world Um, I dropped the book in May of 2022. 2022 was definitely a year of my ego death, like putting something that bold out into the world. Of course, whatever is left to heal every round, accepting myself as enough, came to the surface last year so that I could actually walk the talk, you know? Um, It's not an easy journey. And yeah, it's it's, uh, totally it really is worth it. If you can find peace in it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it definitely taps into a lot of your inner strength, right? Cause you gotta have will, you gotta have courage, you gotta have resiliency. You, mm-hmm. and, and you gotta really be candid with yourself. Like, why am I, even the example you just shared with the the post that you saw, why am I feeling this way? And where is that coming from? And
1: yeah.
0: it's not about beating yourself up or feeling guilty about even feeling a little bit envious. It's like, why am I? Right. And that's a, that is a tough journey. Um, but to your point, it helps you to find that peace and that acceptance once you do. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So clearly you're a, you're a powerhouse. Like mm-hmm. you have, Recreated yourself multiple times, three businesses. And what I love is when you're told no, you find a way. So no is not definitive. <laughs> no Fair. is a oh, just got to find a different route, right? Which is incredible. And again, goes back to the resiliency and the tenacity to, to just go for it. But as you shared with me, there is actually a cost to mm-hmm. you personally when you do that. So, not once, but three times, four times, you've faced burnout. so how or what will you do now to make sure that you don't go through that as as difficult as it was? how do you How do you change the the forecast? <laughs> I guess is the
1: best way to say it. <clears throat> um, it's so fascinating. like um when you hear no uh there's two things that happen. One is, um, is this really what I'm supposed to do? Like there's always that burning question of like, why do I feel like I have to do this? Do I have to do, do this because I'm trying to feed my ego or do I have to do this because I feel like this is something that God gave me as an assignment and I've got to put it out into the world. And burnout always happens for me when it's, no, this is an ego thing. This is a, I got to keep going. I got to, It'll change as soon as I get to this, as soon as I make this, as soon as I get this. That's always what burnout has always brought me to my knees because I've chased the wrong thing. Um, And yet, I think everyone on the planet can say that they've burnt out at least once because of COVID. And so when COVID was the exception where um, everyone has a story, right? I was supposed to get married 32 days after the governor shut the state down basically and um, going from an uh, engaged woman who is planning her wedding, you know, doing final like fittings to an instant family, stay at home mom, teaching the three-year-old how to read, getting the 10 year old and the 15 year old online and all of that piece definitely burnout for sure. But with the exception of that one, Everything else that every all the other elements of burnout I've experienced has been because I tried to do something that I thought was going to a a validation. I thought it was going to make me happy because of money or because of title or because of, you know, um, being recognized in some sort of way, validation, right? Um, Last year, the reason I say it was like my ego death is because that was a lesson I had to learn. I had to learn deep down in my cells. That I can't force anything to happen. Uh, it's gonna, <laughs> it's gonna happen. The things that are successful happen um, when I'm happy and they are in, I'm in flow and I feel aligned. Not trying to funnel m- a way through a mountain with a spoon. Mm. So I'm not saying that like my businesses aren't work because they are. And I've launched several businesses now because it's what I I really did feel like this was a calling I had to fulfill. Um it happened with the nonprofit, it happened with this publishing house. Neither one of them uh, you know, I had no idea what I was doing when I started. So I'm not saying that there isn't work but the way that they unfolded was very organic. Um, The publishing house piece, I pitched, I wrote this book. I pitched a hundred agents, 77 of them compared unapologetically enough to uh, Carry On by Glennon Doyle or Eat, Pray, Love by Elizabeth Gilbert, or uh, I think it's um, Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. I got those three books, those three women, 77 times. And then it was always followed by, because you don't have 100,000 followers, I can't pick you up. You're not saleable because you'll you'll be compared to these people. So um, I was in a new relationship with the man I'm currently married to. But at the time, we were just, just barely dating. And I woke up, I'm highly intuitive. I popped my eyes open one morning. And the first thing I got down deep in my soul was, be the house. This was like a strong message, be the house. And I was like, uh, no, I'm not doing this again. I'm not starting another company. I'm not doing, I'm not doing this. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh I went from I remember it clearly, I went from like being completely flat in bed to like vertical within like <laughs> a second. Um and it was a calling, like it never left my, it never left my bones. So after like nine months of fighting the urge to start another business, I was like, let me just see, let me just make a call. Let me just, and before you know it, seven months later, I had like 10 clients. So um, burnout for me now happens, uh, not burnout, um, making sure I don't go into burnout now happens for me when I don't just take time to disconnect, but when I actually go like inward and I look at all the stuff that's still kind of making me feel um, disconnected or way too in my head and not in my heart when I feel uh, ungrounded, um, that's when I know, okay, I'm trying to I'm in resistance to being in flow. How do I? get rid of the resistance.
0: Wow. Wow. So I heard so many things there, (laughs) like, you know, one, it's that external validation versus internal validation Mm
1: -hmm. and what's
0: driving the external, like, you know, the death of your ego, like that's even just saying that is such a powerful, empowering uh, way of being. Right. And recognizing that ego is driving you to do something that's out of alignment with who you are. And then secondly, really connecting with that intuition that you have and that, that inner higher voice that is guiding you to, you know, in in the direction you need to go. Um, You know, and that's not, that's not easy to do because there's so much noise that goes on up here that sometimes we, we get confused on where the voice is coming from. Right. Um, So really powerful that you're, you have that strong connection.
1: Yeah. It's um, something I've developed and been working on um, since I was, you know, 28, 29 years old. Um, I'm now in my mid forties and it's something I trust like a hundred percent. And I let it guide me and lead me. And when I'm out of alignment with my soul, uh, bad things happen. (laughs) Yeah,
0: Yeah, I I get it. I a hundred percent. Yes. Yes. And you have the awareness to recognize so that's a great it's a great way to check yourself, right? Am I am I congruent with how I'm feeling, what I'm doing, how I'm being as a person? Versus, am I getting distracted by social media, as an as one example, um, or people pulling at you? You know, oh, Carrie, you should do this, Carrie, you should do that. So that's a, that's a really important aspect of knowing and keeping yourself in that alignment.
1: Yeah. Thank you.
0: Yeah, no, you're welcome. Thank you for sharing that. Cause that's, I think we forget sometimes, right? Like we, we get so busy to your point that we, we lose that connection with ourselves, with our higher self, especially And we lose that connection with flow. And and I'm guilty of it as well. Like I know when I'm when my list is super packed with things to do, my brain does not function at its optimal. When I can create that space and I allow things to come naturally, and you said that earlier, I am way more creative. And I'm actually way more happier
1: <laughs> because right. I'm
0: allowing it to permeate and to just naturally come out. Um and you know, sometimes like people might say, Oh, well, what does this actually even mean? And you think about when you're having a conversation with somebody and you share something, and then they go, Oh, could you repeat that? I want to write that down. And you go,
1: What did I, I just can't say? Tell yeah. you what I said.
0: <laughs> I <know>. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like yeah. that's the best. And then they're like, what do you mean you don't know what you said? And it's like, yeah, because it was my, it was like, your soul was the one speaking more than this speaking. Right. right?" So that connection to what you were saying earlier about, you know, getting out of headspace and being in heart space. Yep. um, Super
1: important. And it's actually, it's um, something I'm really, I'm excited to see not just entrepreneurs, not just small, mid-sized businesses, but like corporations, huge corporations with half a, half a million employees around the world are starting to recognize how do we help our people get out of the rat race and back into their happy place. Mm-hmm. Um, burnout is like uh, now a global pandemic. And um, organizations, associations are putting so much money into recovery. They're calling it prevention, but we're in full recovery states. And it's considered a mental wellness category now of like keeping employees, employee retention, and burnout is part of that. Um, So I'm in conversations now with, you know, Fortune 500 companies, um, on how to help their employees basically get out of here and that rant race and that feeling of like, if I can't keep going, I'm going to lose my job and back into their heart. And so I'm, I'm grateful that we're, I'm, I feel bad that we had to go through what we went through as a collective in order to get to the space, but it's nice to finally actually be here and have these conversations and know that change is happening.
0: Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I, I I see some of it. I see one extreme to the other, right? So you either have organizations that are fully committed and really, they're really connected with what the cost is, right? In, you know, retaining. Yeah. Yes, not and it's not just about the in the retaining, it's the engagement level, even when you're there, like when you are so burnt out, you're foggy, like you're not performing yeah. at your optimal. And it's it, it it is a huge responsibility. A, ourselves have to do it, but also our employers, yes, because we spend more time there than we spend anywhere else, mm-hmm. right? Um, So it's a, it's a big one. And I agree with you. It is a pandemic of its own and hopefully, well, and you see it with, even with the great transformation, resignation, whatever you want to call it, people are pushing back and saying, no, no more. I can't, I can't do this anymore. I need, I need to do what's right for me. So speaking of that, so how do you, how do you personally define when you're enough or it's enough? Some people might call that (laughs) success? (laughs) Like what is enough?
1: Um, For me, it's not a tangible thing anymore. It's not a dollar amount. It's not a client. It's a feeling. And when I feel, um, when I can see myself as one with, and I can get to that space of like, I accept we're con- all connected. I can get to a place of like peace and stillness and sincere sincere alignment with my heart down into my belly and like be totally content with like, this is a beautiful moment. It's literally a moment of stillness. Uh, my body buzzes and that's my enough. And I do that several times a day. I start my day that way. Um, I'm doing it right now. (laughs) Lovely. So doing it in the moment. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's a really important distinction too, because oftentimes we think it has to be something extra that we do during our busy day. And it's not, it's a way of being.
1: Um. Yes. So I don't know, uh, this is video, right? The video and audio, right? So for those watching the video, my book is here on the back. So my husband made this for me, a cover um, for my birthday in 2021 before the book came out. And um, two of my goals are to partner with Reese Witherspoon's Hello Sunshine book club and to be a New York Times bestselling author. And so neither of those pieces have happened yet. Um, I have been in communication with Reese's company. My book is on their pile, but um and last year, I was so focused on these two things. Those two things drove everything for me. Um, and so releasing attachment to those two things, and still so accepting my book unapologetically, enough, as enough, even though these two things haven't happened. Um was really cool. It was very beautiful. It was like a huge opening of like what else is possible, right? When we're so focused on I have to get to this acknowledgement in order to be somebody, most likely the acknowledgement A won't happen or B won't fulfill you the way you think it will. And so releasing attachment to these huge acknowledgments brought in phenomenal other opportunities where um, now I am in conversations with Fortune 500 companies to lead burnout prevention programs, to come in as a speaker about burnout recovery. My book is being accepted into like employee resource libraries with half a million employees, like huge, huge things have happened. And if I didn't see myself as enough, my book as enough regardless of what's happened um these opportunities would have come in does that make
0: sense 100% oh my god i love it i have goosebumps <laughs> so it's, it's so the opportunities what i hear is the opportunities came it just came in a different package yeah and it actually probably was put into the hands of the people who really needed it <laughs> right So, yeah. And you opened yourself up so that that could happen. Mm -hmm. Um, That's awesome. Oh my gosh. I love that. So I'm just curious as we're talking about this, because especially when we go into more corporate environments, Mm -hmm. what role do you believe that masculine energy versus feminine energy takes place because even when you were talking about the shift that you're seeing about companies starting to take more care in employees' overall well-being. what what do you what's your thoughts, I guess is my question around the masculine and the feminine.
1: Um, my first thought is like, <clears throat> the structure of a corporation or uh a big business is tends to be masculine like the the infrastructure the way things are done all the policies and procedures those things feel very masculine very you know linear this is the way it has to be done and um the feminine component uh is the leadership, is the people, is the way um, we connect day-to-day. And a lot of companies, the structure of how things are getting done is staying there, but um, maybe the why is changing or um, the what is changing. It is very different. I mean, it's it's totally, it's so hard to, you know, I've worked with, I'm in conversations with these big companies and three people will show up on a call in three different departments that have to speak to three different leaders who then have to have a separate conversation in order for this bigger thing to happen down here. There's so many different steps. Um, That's masculine. (laughs) The feminine piece would be like, you know, let's do this. (laughs) Yeah. Let's just do it. We're taking care of our people. (laughs) Yeah. It's um, um, so yeah, there's work that still has to be done, but hopefully we're moving in the right direction.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I love
0: how you shared that and thank you. Um, that's always a, a great curiosity that I have as, you know, it, it, and it's not about gender. Let me just clarify that with every, like with, for our audience, we're not talking gender, male, female, we're talking energy, energy, masculine, feminine energy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I, Myself, when I was, you know, running a corporation, very heavy masculine energy. And part of that is because you had so much to do and so many people that you were responsible for. Um, but so important to, especially now, I think where we are in the world of invoking so much more of that feminine energy. Um, and so the care, the nurture, all of those things are super important, you know? And, and so what, what you're sharing about corporations are actually open to hearing it, um, tells me there is a little bit more of that shift, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. So I know we have to wrap up. I'm kind of watching our time here. So what would you want to share with our audience today? Um, Maybe helping them to shift that narrative from not being enough to absolutely. I am enough.
1: Hmm. Um, Well, I, one of the exercises I did to to change that, uh, I'm a big examiner, right? I'm a seeker, and uh, so I looked at I wrote down like 50 uh adjectives, and I was I started naming things that I thought people would call me. like I, going back to the bio, how would pe- how do people see me? They're, it's not usually how we see ourselves, right? we're such a hard critic of ourselves. And we let that inner voice dictate everything else. Um, you do a great job, and, you know, during a presentation and one person has one small critique for you and you immediately let that thing matter and nothing else matters. Yeah. Um, so looking at how other people see us and allowing that to sort of penetrate our hearts is a great First step in accepting ourselves as enough, letting that sort of build us up into our new identity.
0: Yeah, that's a and sounds simple.
1: Again, not easy. (laughs) That's a very yeah. That's hard. I know it is one of the exercises in the back of of my book because I I I literally did it. And um, going back to the beginning of our conversation, like writing about ourselves is so hard. Um, Accepting it is a different thing. (laughs) Yes.
0: Oh, great, great defining moment there. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Accepting it. Like that's huge. Mm -hmm. Wow. And so Carrie, like, I mean, I think you and I could, we could talk about a number of different things (laughs) today. Um, And I'm so grateful that you came on and shared this and Let's just you know take a moment. So I'm assuming people can find your book on Amazon as one source. Mm-hmm. right? Are there other places where they might be able to find your work? Um, yeah, kind of
1: them there. Um, the book is available anywhere you buy books. If you're trying to support like a local independent bookshop, you can always try your local, but going to bookshop.org um, allows you to give back to a, an independent store in your hometown um, target.com, walmart.com. If you don't want to support Amazon. Um, and I think those are the big ones. You can always get it as, um, an ebook to Apple, Google. Yeah.
0: On the Kindle. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Beautiful. And, and where do you want to be in a year from now? What is that going to look like for Carrie?
1: In a year from now? Yeah. Uh, January of 2024, my big goal this year is um, is to work with some big Fortune 500 companies on burnout recovery. Um, I have a lot of speaking things planned this year, which I'm really excited about. A year from now, um, I'd love to be working on a second book and allowing that to be birthed through me. Um
0: <laughs> That's a lot <laughs> That's a lot in
1: itself, Carrie <laughs> yeah, the speaking gigs wow. are already lined up, and so I know those are happening. um, and those are just opening you know door openers for other opportunities. The second book, I'm grateful actually, I just uh, you know edited uh talking about like having another book in the works or whatever. I'm not even. Remote. I I want to be close to knowing what I'm writing about because once you read unapologetically enough, the net I most of the time the next step is I can't wait for the next one. What are you writing about next? When is the next one coming out? And I'm like, I don't know. Give a girl a minute. I just <laughs> I just got this one done. It feels like. But.
0: <laughs> well, it's you know what? It, it's not the it's not the race, right? right. It's yeah. the It's the turtle and the hare, right? It's not the race. It's taking it slow and steady and acceptance might be the next book. Don't know. Just (laughs) that's a good one. Yeah.
1: Just, you know, just saying. (laughs) That's a good one.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm so grateful to you for coming on and sharing your story with us today. And, you know, I know that our audience is is sitting back going, wow, right? I'm not alone. Uh, I'm not the only one who feels like I'm not enough or feeling that, you know, I'm on this verge of burnout. I just can't keep doing what I've been doing. And that's an, that's, is an okay place to be because that gives you the step you need to figure out what you do want to be doing. Right. Yeah. And, and with that heart space. Um, so, yes. So, we're super grateful to have you and thank you for being here. And I can't wait to see you on Re- Reese Witherspoon's, you know, her book club. <laughs> You'll get there. You'll get there. She just, she has a few to read. <laughs> she'll, she'll figure it out.
1: It was very yeah. cool to get an email from their team. So, I'm sure. I am sure. And
0: I want to take a moment and thank our audience. Like, you know, this is such a great conversation today. And, You know, maybe after after you've listened to this episode, just take a few minutes and and work on like you know what are those adjectives, you know how do you think people see you and reach out to Carrie, reach out to myself, I'll send it to Carrie. Like talk to us about how this impacted you and you know we the, the purpose of it is to really help you understand that we all go through challenges and all of us experience. Not being enough. Pick up Carrie's book. You'll learn more tips in that. Um, and and just thank you for being here today and for listening to the Women in Leadership Talk podcast. If you're curious about your own leadership style, you can go on our website at Will Empowered. That's one L W-I-L-E-M-P-O-W-E-R-E-D.com and take our free leadership quiz. It gives you some insight as to how you might be seeing yourself or, or how you might be feeling. And would love to hear from you and how that, uh, how that turns out for you. So thank you again for joining us today. And Carrie, thank you for coming all the way from Arizona. We're super grateful and hopefully it warms up for you.
1: Thank you. Bye everyone.
0: <laughs> thank you, everyone. Thank you for joining us for Will Talk, sponsored by Women in Leadership Empowered. To learn more about our programs, please visit www.willempowered.com. We look forward to seeing you in our community.